Well, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word this morning. Turn with me to the book of Acts. To the book of Acts chapter 14. And we're going to read a couple of verses out of it, but we're going to dig in and look at a good bit. If you're not familiar with that, Acts chapter 14 is beginning of the end of 13. is Paul's first missionary journey when he was called and sent out from Antioch, recognized to be God's missionary and to go into the mission field to preach the gospel to us Gentiles. And it's a wonderful example of what obedience to the call of God will do when we trust him. And I got good news. I got my little gadget back today. So we'll get to look at this some. But I want to talk to us about encouraging disciples in these last days. And you know, you read this passage and Paul's going back. He's been on his trip and he's made a lot of disciples, planted some churches. And in the midst of all the blessings, there's the burden of there's people who are coming against it. And he goes back to check on those who have come to know the Lord and who he had left at other towns and cities. And he's going back, it says, to encourage them, to strengthen their souls. And he tells them at the end of this, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Today, if you wanted to encourage the average church member and you told him, I've come today to strengthen your soul and to exhort you, to encourage you to continue in the faith. And by the way, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. It wouldn't do much to encourage him. But I want you to understand something when we read this first verse. The first thing you're going to see is we were never called to make church members. We've never been commissioned to go and make other church members. We've been commissioned by our Lord Jesus Christ to go and make disciples. And there is a vast difference between a church member and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to look at this this morning as we dig in. The Lord has put something on my heart, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. It's reminded me that if you want to be a part of the blessing of the gospel and see souls saved, you're going to have to be willing to accept the burden of the gospel and be willing to be persecuted and suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ because for everyone who believes the gospel and gets saved, there's many more who don't who hate Jesus, who don't want to hear the gospel. And that's the gospel truth, amen? And so if you look here with me, it says in Acts chapter 14, we're going to start reading in verse 19. It says, when, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed from Barnabas with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, I want you to emphasize that. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium. Antioch is where those guys came who just stoned him and left him for dead. <laughs> he went right back. Why did he go back? Because he left some believers down there who had believed in Jesus. And he went back to strengthen their souls. The souls of what? Church members? The souls of 
disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. And he said, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Father in heaven, I pray today that as we prepare for a new year of ministry and walking as disciples to carry out the great commission to make disciples and to help, Lord, serve you and your kingdom, I pray that you'll remind us that with all the blessings, there's still also many times burdens. And I pray you'll prepare our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you look at this, and I want to show you something that I've seen to be true. Two things happen every time the gospel's preached. Two things always happen if you faithfully preach the gospel. Some people believe it and get saved and become disciples. You're here this morning because of that truth if you're saved. But I want you to understand something also. Every time the gospel's preached, many do not believe it, and they get offended, and they become opposition to what God has called you to do. If you don't believe me, you look at the life of Paul. Everywhere Paul went, people got saved. (laughs) But also people came against him and persecuted him, and, and he suffered greatly. And we all look at Paul, and we want to emulate Paul, and we all look to Paul as, oh, what an example of a faithful disciple of Jesus. But we tend to leave out what it cost Paul to be such a disciple to Christ. You know, if you look back with me, it starts out in chapter 13. He goes out and he's preaching the gospel. And the first thing Paul always did when he went to a new city was that he went to the synagogue where they were at and he preached the gospel. Look at verse 5 of chapter 13. It says, and when they arrived to Salamis, this is the first place he came to, the first time he preached at the first missionary journey. And you can look throughout the rest of the book of Acts through the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, the third missionary journey. Paul, when he entered a city, he looked for a synagogue. And the synagogue was where the people who was his chief persecutors who came against the gospel harder than anybody else always were. But even though the Jews rejected the gospel and rejected Paul and had Paul arrested, stoned Paul, falsely accused Paul, he kept going back to them. You know why? Because there were some of those Jews that got saved. You know, today we look around in America and there's not a lot of people interested, it seems, sometimes in the gospel. But no matter how bad it may look to our society, no matter how far the culture may have succumbed and fallen from being a Christ-influenced gospel culture, there's still people out there, my friends, that will get saved if you preach Jesus to them. But also, there's a lot more people today than there ever was in my lifetime that are radically opposed to it, that are violently coming against the gospel and friends today if you're honest the main reason you don't share the gospel is because you're afraid of the rejection and the cost and the price of being ridiculed looked down upon and not accepted with your little circles you hang out with while they coast along headed straight to hell Paul was not like that thank God he went there When he arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues. And he says, that was the first thing they did. 
And everywhere Paul went, he would preach and people would get saved. Look at with me in chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, unbelievable, both of Jews and Greeks believed. That's what we all want to happen. How many of you would love to see a great multitude of people get saved this year in Bethany, in Caddo Parish, in Shreveport, and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, friends, Paul went to a place that had never heard the gospel. They were totally pagan in everything that they believed about God. Anything was God to them. They had never heard of the true God, much less the gospel of grace that saves. They had never heard of Calvary or the cross or the Lamb of God. And much less they never knew who Jesus was. They were a totally pre-Christian culture. Well, may I tell you, ours is no different, except now it's a post-Christian culture. 99% of the people you go to school with, you work with, you live next to, have no idea what it means to have Jesus Christ in their life to the point that they follow him, that they deny themselves for him, that they take up a cross for him and serve the Lord Jesus. Friends, listen, Being a disciple means that's someone who follows Jesus, even to the point of denying self and taking up the cross, God's will and purpose for the life. A church member comes to church on Sunday. That's all he does. The rest of the week, he's no different. He's no more following Jesus than a person who doesn't even come to church in many times. Let me give you an example of what I want to talk about here. You see, you can be a faithful church member and come every time the doors open and never, ever follow Jesus. You can be religious to the core. You can have no relationship, no commitment. There's no denying self. There's no taking up a cross. Your only thing about Jesus is you're religious and you go to church. And America was like that in a tremendous way up until recently. You see, what we had right after World War II, we had a true movement of God, a spiritual awakening. All people were coming back from World War II. It was right after the fear of Nazism and the the horror of World War II. And there was a spiritual awakening in America. And those boys came back. And they were people who gave their hearts to Jesus. The Southern Baptist Convention was birthed out of that period. And it grew to be the largest um, evangelical denomination in America. And many of you are part of that, especially you older people. At that time... We lived in an unprecedented, very unique, special time in church history that no other time has ever seen. People just began to go to church. It was the right thing to do. America had got evangelized. It had become discipled everywhere, especially here in the good old Bible South. Churches was everywhere. And people went to church and they got saved. And the whole communities was influenced by what? The Bible. They were influenced by Christ. They may not have been a Christian, But the Christian influence was even allowed in our schools. It was allowed everywhere. It was even allowed to me the main influence over what our entertainment could be. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a man named Elvis Presley. Now he's called a Christian. He's looked about as a wonderful child of God. But friends, when he was in action singing and shaking his hips, he wasn't allowed on television to be seen. Because he was determined to be too vulgar and unchristlike. That's how far we've changed in our culture. Our culture today is not a culture that is the result of the influence of the gospel and Christianity. Our culture has long fled and rejected the gospel. And we live in a pagan, heathen culture. 
We live in a totally secular society, just like Paul was in. And friends, the only way they'll ever be saved is if people who know Jesus, who follow Jesus, who are being led by Jesus, preach the gospel to them. And some will hear it, and some will get saved, just like some of us. Can you remember when you heard it? Can you remember when you believed it, and Jesus came into your life? Well, friends, that's the same thing was happening when Paul was there. It says, great multitudes, both of Jews and Greeks, believed. Look at verse 2. But, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. That's the disciples. Therefore, what did Paul do? Did he say, we don't need to go over there. They don't like us. No, he says he stayed there for a long time speaking boldly in the Lord. May I tell you the, 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 the remedy to people who are carnal and worldly and liberal and who have swallowed the agenda of our culture and our society and are more like them than Jesus is for us to speak boldly to them again in the Lord. For us to share this blessed book with them, even at the cost of ridicule and rejection. Friends, if you haven't been rejected lately, you ain't being a disciple of Jesus. And friends, listen what he goes on and says. It says, bearing witness to the word of his grace, God was granting signs and wonders to be done in their hands. He'll still do that today if we'll do it. Look at verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, them being Paul and Barnabas, they became aware of it and they fled Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding region. And don't miss this. They fled from Derbe. So they go on and they're preaching in some other places and they're making disciples. Look at what it says when you get down to verse 19. It says, Then the Jews of Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Here they are now, they come back. Now I want you to think about this, just what I'm showing you there. Some people are believing it and getting saved, they're becoming disciples. It says in this next verse I'm going to read to you. It says, However, when the disciples gathered around him, Paul rose up. He went into the city, and the next day he went right back to Derby, where he had run from not many weeks before. He went right back to where he knew they had threatened to stone him, and he just has gotten stoned and left for dead. That's commitment. That's believing in a gospel message enough to put your mouth and walk with your talk. And friends, listen what he says he did. It says, when they had preached the gospel in verse 21 to that city and they made many disciples, many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and he goes back to Antioch, those people who just came and threw the rocks. And he goes right back, what for? To look at what we said, to strengthen the souls of the disciples. I don't know about y'all. But if you're going to be a disciple and you're going to remain faithful, you're going to need people to come along and strengthen you. Amen? You're going to need encouragement. And I thank God that when we gather together that we encourage one another, you know, that we strengthen one another. That, but more than anything, Paul told a young man named Timothy 
to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be strengthened by him. And friends, listen, you're going to have to understand something. Our strength is in Christ. You've got to be connected to him. We've got to be walking with him. We've got to do more than just come to church on Sunday, believe a religious creed, and then go out back out there and never have any contact with the Lord and not be about the Lord. The Lord has got to be our Lord every day. That's what they were doing, preaching. Do not believe there's some who didn't believe. And they were offended. And they became the opposition. Do you know the most easily and the person that supplies the majority of what I've experienced is opposition to true Christianity? Being a disciple, following Jesus, looking at what Christ wants us to do, truly being a soul winner, truly being a discipler, sacrificially living for God. You know who it is? That's the church. <laughs> you know who it was in Paul's day? It was the Jews, the synagogues, the religious system that was in charge. Friends, listen, when people only come to church on Sunday and they don't really have a relationship with Jesus that involves anything more than that, except they get in trouble, they get sick, or they lose their job, then they, oh, Jesus. But they're not really in a personal relationship to where they live their life for Christ like Paul did. And then someone shows up and he's serious about it's more than just coming to church on Sunday. You know, everyone's worried in America about the declining church. When you're focused on getting church members to sit in them empty seats, you'll continue to get empty. But when you start saying, I got to get to be a disciple, I got to get back and do what Jesus wants me to do. I need to get up in the morning and I need to talk with Jesus. I need to let Jesus teach me and show me how to be a soul winner. I need to be discipled. I need to grow in grace and I need to be changed by the glory and the power of Christ in the gospel. A person who's in an everyday relationship with Jesus will not just come to church on Sunday and go out into the world and be like everybody else. He'll be different. He'll be a witness. He'll be a soul winner. That's what Paul was. But the price of that is that those who don't want that are going to come against it. And friends, when you look there, that's what's happening with Paul. There's those that do not believe the gospel. Look at what he goes on and says right there in verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel of that city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, friends, why would he tell them that? You know, in America today, we would find a better way to try to encourage people to come to youth group. <laughs> We'd find a better way to try and encourage people to come to church. But guys, you know, the truth of the matter is, if we're going to be faithful to Jesus, and we're going to be people who share the gospel, and people who treat and teach people with the truth that we believe their lives can be changed if they'll submit and surrender to his lordship, then we're going to experience something I want you to look at. Walking as a faithful disciple of our Lord Jesus is challenging because it always involves hardship. It involves blessings. It involves people getting saved. You see, we've succumbed to this mentality that if we just come to church and we sit at church, they're not coming no more, folks. We're no longer dealing with a group out there that grew up where everybody went to church, where going to church was the natural thing to do. Some of us grew up in that age. Some of us grew up when no one would have ever ran down God. 
No one would have ever ran down people who believe in God. They may have not been part of it, but they looked at it as beneficial. They looked at it as something good. But guys, listen, I don't know if you pay attention to the news. I don't know if you look at what they're teaching in our colleges to our kids. But they're telling our kids and the news and the media is teaching our culture that the problem is Christianity. That the problem is religion. When we used to look at it as we might not be part of it, but we realize its benefits, and they want us gone. The only way it'll ever change, the only way the church will ever be able to see growth and see people come to God is to understand that we must go in the spite of rejection and preach the gospel like Paul did. Paul was experienced much rejection. Look what Paul told Timothy. He told a young disciple at the end of his life, this is after three mission trips, he's at the last place he would be before he left earth. He's in prison. And he's writing the last letter that he would write to the young man that he had spent his life mentoring and discipling to take his place, a young preacher named Timothy. And he told Timothy, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I want you to turn there with me and I want you to look at it with me. And I want you to see what he says right above that verse. I want you to notice he didn't say yes and most people who desire to live godly. Some people who desire to live godly. Paul said all people who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You say, man, that's crazy. Why would God allow that? Because that's the reality of what it is. Listen what else he said. We must enter the kingdom of God, what, with much. We must through many, not some, not a little bit, many tribulations enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't enter the kingdom of heaven by going through tribulation. That's not what saves you. But if you get saved and you live for Jesus, you're going to have tribulations. Listen what Jesus said. Jesus says this in John chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. But in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Listen to what it says in the Psalms. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But thank God the Lord delivers us all. And friends listen to this. Look at what Paul says. He tells him right above that verse. In chapter 3 verse 12 in 2 Timothy. He says Timothy. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. That's what I believe and what I teach. Verse 10. My manner of life. You've copied me. You've lived your life. You've taken my example and you've lived it. My purpose. You've, you've took my purpose. And you've copied that. Look at what he says. My faith. Long-suffering. Love and perseverance. And look at what he says. Persecutions and afflictions which happened to me at Antioch. He goes right back to where he was stoned. At Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but listen to what he says, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. I want you to think about this. He tells him in verse chapter 1, verse 7, flip back one page with me. God has given us the ability, my friend, to go into persecution and share the good news of Jesus if you want to. But the truth of the matter is today, Nine out of ten of us, if not more, the moment you try to share the gospel and it don't go well and it makes you uncomfortable, it causes displeasure, it troubles your soul, 
Your soul is so weak, you're not able to share it. The honest truth is we all wish we could share it. We all want to share it. We all want to see people saved. We're all hoping people would get born again and lives would be changed. But, and we know we know how, what it is. And we know that God has promised that his, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we live for him, that we would be his witness. And friends, he says right here, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why are so many of us so scared that you've never shared it in your life? But he's given us power. So he's given you the ability and the enablement to share it if you'd only be willing to let Jesus disciple you to have him control your life. You see, but most of us are content with going to church on Sunday and just being a good church member. Our faithfulness doesn't go by just coming when the doors in church are open. See, our faithfulness that will be counted in heaven is not counted what we do in here. It's counted what we do out there for Jesus. And Jesus has not called us to be faithful attenders of religious services. He's called us to be the church. We come here to get equipped, to get encouraged, to get our souls strengthened, to get exhorted to not quit the faith, but we practice the faith out there. What is it practicing the faith? Loving people enough, hanging out with Jesus enough to let him give us the mind to do what he put us here to do, share his good news. You know what he says in that next verse? I hear everybody all the time when they're having problems. I know you're going through it, and I know you're in trouble, and I know this is a difficult thing you're going through. You lost your job and you're uncanny. This is a terrible thing God let you have happen to you. But remember, he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. And, and we totally misrepresent that verse. You know why that verse is there? For you won't be ashamed. Look at what the next verse says. Therefore, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love and of us. Therefore, do not be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony of our Lord. And look at what he says, nor of me, his prisoner. I'm in prison, Timothy. I'm fixing to be executed. In fact, he's telling Timothy, come before winter and bring me my coat. It's cold in here. Bring me the parchment so I can study. I need to hear the word of God. Timothy, come as quickly as you can because everyone else has left me and forsook me. I only have Luke. Everyone else is left. So come, I'm in this prison. But he says, but don't be ashamed of me. But share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. A church will never experience the power of God by just praising a Lord they don't serve. By singing songs that make everybody like it. By preachers that entertain and teach. No, you'll not experience the power of God in our midst Till we overcome our fear and open our mouths and boldly tell people about the testimony of Jesus Christ in the face of persecution, rejection, in the places where you don't want to go. If we invite, if we have a special outreach event, you know what everybody brings? You're the church members. We don't bring lost people. We don't go find them people that no one wants to have anything to do with. You know what makes me excited? When someone comes in here on Sunday that I know none of you would have anything to do with because I know you didn't bring them. I know they had to be here because of God. 
Man, we ought to be out there looking for the people that no one else wants to have anything to do with. The people whose lives are so ruined that the only one who can help them is Jesus. And we ought to do everything we can to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about the testimony of how he changed us. People tell me sometimes that y'all get here tired of hearing me talk about how I used to be a drunk and a drug addict and a drug. I can't shut up because I used to be the bottom of the barrel. But one day I met Jesus, and by the grace of God, he's changed me. And I can't help but to share. I once was a drunk, but I ain't no more. Friends, I'll be saying that to the day I stand before Jesus. But you're a sinner just as bad as me. Just as bad, same hell as the worst drunkard, the worst drug addict. And you're, you're our loved ones and our neighbors who don't have anything to show for an evidence that they know Jesus are going to that hell too, unless we tell them. Now, friends, I'm here to tell you, how many of you have ever had somebody get mad at you for telling about Jesus? If you didn't ever have it happen, you ain't told them any, many times. How many of you have ever had someone accept Jesus? There is nothing better on earth besides getting saved than being part of leading someone else and them getting saved. And friends, God, that's what he wants us to do. That's what Paul did. I want you to think about this. Look at what Paul tells him there. He says, Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Look at what he goes on and says. Look at verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Why? I am not ashamed, for I know who I am believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. What day? The day when it will all be worth it. See, it's not worth it here. We've fallen. For that lying preacher that tells you you can have your best life now. No, you can't. (laughs) Your best life now ain't here. That name it and claim it. Get rich. God wants you rich. God wants you healthy. No, God wants you holy. God wants you to share his word. He wants us to be the voice, if we're saved, of his son Jesus. And look at what he told Timothy in verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in Jesus and love which are in Christ Jesus. He says, keep telling people. Look at what he says when you get to chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Guys, that's what God's plan is. For that to happen, it's got to come out of our heart, out of our mouth, and into their ears before it can ever get in their heart. I don't know about y'all, but God has showed every one of y'all amazing things. He's taught you unbelievable truths. Every week you get to hear preaching. Every week you get to read your Bible. You go to Bible studies. That's not just for you to get spiritual. It's for you to give away. And we've lost that. Look at what he tells him right there. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. For which, look at what he says. I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. That's imprisonment. But the word of God is not changed. Paul said, you can put me in prison, but you can't shut me up. 
You can lock up my ministry, but you can't stop it because the word of God cannot be stopped. Do y'all remember what happened in his third missionary trip when he wrote the book of Philippi? He's writing to, to the Philippians. He's in jail. And he's chained to a Roman soldier. And he's telling them, I'm writing y'all to let you know that what happened to me actually has become an advantage to the sharing of the gospel. So I'm praising God for my chains. Because some of the, the Praetorian guard, Caesar's household, has come to know Jesus. You know how that happened? By the, think of this. By the providence of a sovereign God who knows there's people in every group that are going to respond and be saved. He chained those boys to Paul. <laughs> They'd been chained to prisoners before, but never one like Paul. I bet you when they was chained to some of them, they was crying, they was whining, they were murmuring. But they get chained to Paul. Paul's a little old super Jew. He loves Jesus. He starts telling them about the Lord. He starts telling them about Jesus. He's in prison, chained to them. And every day, I bet you those ones that got saved was thanking God for letting them get chained to him. But just think about the ones that didn't want to be chained to him. Do you think the long of this day was for Paul or for them? I mean, you get chained to Paul from daylight to dark. And you don't want to have the gospel in your life. The, you know what? There's nothing more irritating than a savior when you don't want to be saved. There's nothing more aggravating than a faithful disciple when you don't want to be a disciple. And friends, I don't know about you. Paul kept telling people and people kept getting saved. You know, at the end of Paul's life, today, the church would have looked at Paul as a total failure. Because he didn't lead the association in baptisms. He didn't lead the Sunday school record in the most and best and biggest attendance. And he surely didn't have the biggest church. At the end of Paul's life, I want you to see what he's crying out to a young man named Timothy. At the end of Paul's life, when you get to chapter 4, look at what Paul says. He says to Timothy, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry... For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Folks, that's what it's all about. And he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. I want you to see what he says. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and departed. For Thessalonica, Crescents for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Go get Mark and bring him here with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. He's still trying to ministry in a dungeon. And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. Bring the coat, bring the cloak that I left in Corpus as Troas when you come in the books and then especially the parchments. Look at what he says right here. I love this about Paul. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. But may the Lord repay him <laughs> to his works. He totally believed the Lord would take care of him. Look at what he says in the next verse. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me. But all forsook me. But may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me. That all the Gentiles might hear. Also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. 
and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul said, don't feel sorry for me. The time of my departure is at hand. The Lord has not forsaken me. Friends, you know, today, I don't know about y'all, but I'm always praying. And if I get around other people, I'm wondering, where is this thing going? Because when I look at where it came from, it ain't going in a good direction. And I know that Jesus is the only hope. And I'm not a preacher of doom. I'm a preacher of hope. And our hope is in Jesus. But I want you to understand something. The great men of God that I'm associated with, that I know personally, people I trust, that I talk to, that I'm in contact with. Just like in the days in First Chronicles, in the days of David, God gave them these people called the sons of Iskar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And us preachers sit around, y'all may not know this, but we, we pray and we talk and we discuss. Where do you think it's, what do you think it's the church and what's happening? And there's men who I look at as these men of Iskar who God has blessed with knowledge to have understanding of the times and to know that what the church today ought to do. It says in Chronicles 22, only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel. God is doing that today. He's giving men in our midst wisdom and understanding and he's giving them charge to know what to do in the church and what we ought to do. In Ezra's day, it says, then by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding of the sons of Malai, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, and he was able to give them direction. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but every man of God I talk to, I'll name a couple. Y'all know Brother Marty. I talk to him twi- once or twice a week. I talk to Brother Dennis. I talk to Brother Kyle. He, there he includes with all these other preachers. I had dinner a while back with Brother Heath over at Summer Grove. And the pastor that's out there at um, First Baptist D. Berry. I haven't run into one yet. That doesn't say everything in my spirit tells me that it ain't even begun. That it's going to get worse. It's going to get harder. That the hardships in America for the church has just begun. But what's going to be bad for the church, we believe, is going to be good for the kingdom. Because the church has been in trouble a long, long time. Filled with people who come and sit and depart and never change Never, sir, it's going to separate. You know what COVID did? A lot of people say, oh, God, COVID almost broke us. No, COVID cleansed us. If COVID was able to stop you from coming to church, you never was a disciple. You see, a disciple, it don't matter what's happening against the church. It don't matter what's going against the Lord's stuff. They're going to do what the Lord says to do. Church members, the moment church causes you difficulty and discomfort and makes it hardship, you'll quit church. That's why there's people home right now that'll watch this in their pajamas drinking coffee. Because getting up is too much of a hardship. Waking up on any Sunday is a hardship, much less New Year's. Are you people crazy? Friends, I'm going to tell you what. If we got people today who say they're Christians who can't even come to church now, what do you think is going to happen then? So what I want to encourage you today is don't be caught off guard. Yes, troubles will come. Yes, hardships will be there. But I want you to look at what Paul said. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And friends, yes, we're going to have persecutions if we stand for Christ. 
if you want to be safe and play it and just be church, don't share the gospel. But your neighbor will go to hell if you don't. You're, no one's going to get saved unless someone tells them about Jesus. I don't know if y'all ever seen this sign in my church. I mean, in my office. It's behind the door. So unless you've been in there when the door's closed, you ain't seen it. And most of you don't ever get in there with the door closed. <laughs> but I want to read this to you. This was given to me by that old man you always hear me about, talk about, Bob Rawls. It hung in his office in the Bible bookstore in Meridian while he owned it. And when he sold it, he took it home. And one of the greatest things that I ever experienced, he came to me one day and he told me this hung for 20-some years in my office at the Bible bookstore. And the Bible bookstore was famous amongst all the preachers. All the preachers would go hang out in his office, and he would minister to preachers and encourage preachers and tell them, don't quit, keep preaching. And he gave me this. And it says, the fellowship of the unashamed. And listen to what it says, and we're going to close. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. The decision has been made. I have stepped over the line. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back up. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk with patience. I live by prayer, and I labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My God is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, spoken up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, Preach to all know and work till he stops me. And when he comes to get me as his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner is clear. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Folks, we ought to be proud to suffer for the name of Jesus. We ought to look at it as a privilege to be told you're one of them Jesus freaks. Man, I knew I was going to preach this. I walk out this morning and I see a Jeep that I've never seen parked in there. And you know how I knew it had never been here? Because on the back, it said, unleash the Jesus freak. And I went over there and knocked on the door. A brother was in there. I said, man, can I take a picture of your Jeep? Yeah, he gets out. We start talking. He says, do you know what it means to be a Jesus freak? I said, I don't know exactly what you think. But this is what I think and what I've been told. You know who a Jesus freak is? Somebody who loves Jesus more than you. <laughs> and friends, listen. How much can you love Jesus? We need to talk. I am convinced this year, if everybody would get tracts, take their Bibles, share Jesus with people. Take advantage. One a day or even one a week, we would see people saved. And you know what else would happen?
we would get, we'd get introduced to the reality. But God would show up. We'd see God move. Friends, this year, if you want to know what I think is the biggest need in the church today, I think the biggest need in the church today is for the church to start speaking up, to start telling people about the Lord before he comes. And I know we can't save them. We don't know who's going to be saved, but he's promised us that he will save those who he has called, who he has ordained to be saved. Friends, there's some chosen people out there that's just waiting for us to tell them about the Lord. One day, I was as lost as you can get. And my wife kept telling me, we need Jesus. I thought I had Jesus. I had a Jesus, but he was my Jesus. But when you meet the Jesus... He changes you. And everyone needs to meet our Jesus. Today, I want to encourage you. Those tracks have been there. We put them out. They're still there. They're not going to win anybody to the Lord unless we don't take them up and go tell people. But them tracks ain't going to win people to the Lord. God will win people to the Lord through our testimony, through our witness. And I'm here to ask you to join me in making a commitment to at least start out saying, I'm going to tell one a week. I told Kyle about this, and he got to shouting this morning. I said, that's what I'm preaching. He said, man, I wish I was coming to your church. Have y'all ever went out and ate with Kyle? I'm a preacher, but Kyle, I had to repent. Kyle has embarrassed me. Because he is so committed He's not going to eat a meal. He's not going to get a service. He's not going to meet anybody that he doesn't ask them about Jesus. And you know what he told me? I said, how did you get like that? He said, I ain't always been like that. I asked God to make me like this. And I just started out. He said, now it's natural. You see, it should be natural for us to tell people. Not unnatural. So I want to invite you today to commit this year. That I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to speak up for my Lord. And friends, one day when we stand before Jesus, we'll see some people up there with us that will look and say, thank you for telling me the gospel. Would you stand with me? What are we going to sing, Brother John? Jesus paid it all. all. Great choice. Father in heaven, I pray today that you'd help us as the church of the living God to get up, quit feeling sorry for ourselves, quit looking about who ain't here no more, And start looking out there in the harvest. Jesus, you tell us that the harvest is ripe, but that the laborers are few. Lord, I'm praying that you raise up laborers in this church. Lord, we got enough church members. We don't need nor Sunday onlys. We need people who want to be disciples, Father. And Lord, I pray that you'll raise up and help us to make disciples in these coming days. Who go and make more disciples for you. Forgive us where we fail you. Lord, if there's one here today who's never been saved by your grace, never confessed he's a sinner, never put all of his trust and hope in Calvary and the the price that you paid that we're fixing to sing about, I pray today that you draw him to that place where he'll publicly confess his need for Christ and what he believes in his heart that you've helped him to understand. He'll speak with his mouth, Father, for salvation. You tell us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord that believes it in their heart under righteousness, that as they speak it with the lips, it'll bring salvation. Lord, I pray right now that you'll save the lost in our midst. 
and you'll help the saved to be more committed to be burdened for the lost. In Jesus' name, amen.